It's a lot. It's uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Absolutely. Um, Walker, are you from Calgary originally? I was born in Edmonton, Edmonton. but grew up in Calgary. Yeah. yeah. Did most of my education in Calgary and then finished at Harvard for a post-professional degree in architectural theory okay. and home studies. Yes. Um, because I thought I was going to teach. And then I did teach. I, I used to teach at UFC a bit and for years at Mount Royal College. <clears throat> so my interests were, you know, I'm an architect, but also studied industrial design, interior design, um, sculpture, art history. So just sort of, you know, love making stuff. Architecture seemed like the easiest way to make more of it and bigger stuff. Absolutely. So, um, when, you, when you grew up, were you always hands-on? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I was athletic and just a pretty normal Canadian kid, you know? I, uh, I don't think I was especially creative as a kid, yeah. but uh, I don't know, something happened. That's all I want to do now. Um, <laughs> can't stop. Can't stop. Yeah. So then I, I uh, finished my architecture degree and started getting work right away, designing bars and restaurants for friends. You would know Victor Choi. Oh, yeah. Concord. <laughs> so I designed the first, I don't know, probably 10 restaurants Victor had. Wow. And so never really had a job properly as an architect. I always joke my last job was as pizza delivery because I then was in university and then started getting work, partnered with the dean of my architecture school in order to do my registration under him so that I didn't have to get a job. Um, so I worked under him, under his supervision, Dale Taylor. And then, uh, you know, I had hired one of my, I was a TA in university. I hired Mark Burkhart, who was one of my students. And then we eventually became partners and 23 years, I think, um, mostly in Canada doing work, but a bunch internationally. And then two years ago, well, five years ago, we opened an office in Vancouver as well. And two years ago, I purchased Mark shares in the business and it became McKinley Studios. So we now have offices in Calgary and Vancouver um, half-assed thinking about opening another one in the U.S. Wow. Well, you know, the U.S. is a booming market. Despite yeah, what I people really like say. LA. Yeah. I feel like there's a great spot for us in L.A., but I, I haven't done anything much about it yet, but it's, it's on my radar. Yeah. When you <clears throat> grew from one location in Calgary to your second location in Vancouver, was that a, a scary transition, a first step forward? Was that frightening? Yeah, um, yes, for sure. I mean, we we built an office and then um, a couple people were out here. Jen Lemke, who is the head of my interior studio now, came out and we didn't know anyone in Vancouver. We didn't come because we had clients. We came because we saw opportunity and then decided to find the clients, um, learned a lot about local contextual vagaries like Vancouver is very different than other places in terms of permitting and, and oh, the yeah. structure of the the design community and the development community is very different here so it took you know all of four years to really get our feet properly on the ground right was it welcoming as a community though 
<laughs> An Alberta company is moving here. Uh-oh. I would say yes. I think, I don't think we were seen as an Alberta company. I mean, maybe we were, but we have an offering that's quite different than anyone here. And I think that was exciting to, to the clients we have now. And we've grown a lot. We're, uh, I mean, we've outgrown our space. We're 20 something people now in Vancouver. Um, we remain 30 in Calgary and we're just taking new space in Vancouver that'll allow us to double our space or our, our studio number. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, you know, we plan to be 30 to 40 in, in Vancouver in the next couple of years. Um, Hopefully it's that there, same office. You are keeping the office we have now, removing all the um, studio seats, putting them across the hall and doubling it. And then we'll have a little gallery, much like we have in Calgary Meat Hook. We'll have Vancouver's version, a bigger one. And then the existing space, we'll get a new boardroom where the studio seats were and will become just reception, hosting, meetings, partying. <laughs> we like to throw parties. <laughs> I think we can tell. <laughs> Do you sleep much? I don't. No. <laughs> Actually, I'm up, uh, I'm usually up at four, 3.30 or four, just because I am. I just, I've always woken up really early. So. Is it your time to kind of be with yourself for a second before yeah. everyone starts saying, hey, Walker, Walker, and you pull in all directions? Yeah, the, the weird thing nowadays is it's social media time. <laughs> Well, like you, I have a bunch of social media <laughs> accounts and I, I really enjoy social media. I find it like a creative expression as well. And so usually at four in the morning, I'm posting and yeah. reading the news and I, I write every day a little oh, bit. Okay. So is it, is it more poetry? Or is it journal? Journaling, like journal. just free flow thinking about, you know, we, we have six studios. So architecture, interiors. Procuratorial is our furniture manufacturing and procurement company. Mosquito Agency is our art consultancy. Uh, Matter is our branding group. And then Black Chamber is uh, hard to describe, a kind of think tank research group. Oh, yes. We sit underneath everything we do. So and, we and forgot one in Black Chamber, just thinking. And Fat Frames. And then I have fat frames and a couple other things. Um, commonplace is really starting to get momentum right now. We're really excited. We've got some new partners that I can't name quite yet, but they're going to help us really scale. And I think commonplace is going to be a, that's our, our, how do I describe commonplace? It's a housing platform for flat packed, innovative material homes that are, um, you know, they'll go up in six weeks and are deployable anywhere quickly and can't burn, can't mold. Um, they're not the container homes, are they? They're not container homes. They're made of, uh, well, the, the new manufacturing partner is got a proprietary material that is a very um, innovative kind of lightweight cement. So they're, they're made of that. And, and so they're highly insulated. Yeah. inflammable um, mold won't grow in them so I think they're you know they're a great so much of the expense of housing now is labor especially in markets outside of major centers right so you know they'll be considerably less expensive and they go up in 
you know, right now we've got them going up in about three months, our first prototypes, but we think we can get it down to weeks. And these are modular homes, so you could adjust <coughs> walls inside them if you'd like? Um, so they're, they come as a shell of this proprietary cementitious material, and then um, the interiors are built of a kind of modular wall system, basically, where all the millwork is built in. So those just pop in. They're not really modular. We can make them any size or shape. There is a series of products that we're coming out with first, but that will grow over time. Gosh, so I'm really excited about it. It's, it's, it's been a probably four year project so far. And we've got, we built one full scale home in a warehouse and now we're building two in uh, Kimberly. Um, and then we're looking at sites for about five more this year. If everything goes well, we want to scale to hundreds next year. And it'd be perfect in minus 30 weather. Yeah, they're very well insulated. I think they could be game changers. We're uh, really excited about them. Place like California, where fire is a big issue. Oh yeah, or BC even. BC, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I think our next group of homes will be in the interior. First actual sales. So my favorite place in Canada is Tofino, and uh, you yeah. are working on a place there. Or I don't know, is it completed yet? No, it's under construction. It's. Uh, a home for a, a really great client of ours. He's a developer who has a spot on Chesterman. <laughs> he has amazing taste. It's uh, he's just kind of letting us do what we want to do. It's going to be a remarkable home. Where do you get your inspiration from for homes for just design in general? Where does it come from? Everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. I mean, I talk about that a lot with my team. That you know, I there's a little somebody found a quote. On, online and we could never figure out where it came from, but it, it basically runs something like you can't know about architecture if you don't know about literature, food, movies, fashion. You can't know about fashion if you don't know about architecture, literature, food, movies. You can't know about movies if you don't know about architecture. Um, and I think it's true. I think it's, it's why our firm is set up the way it is, that it's for us to express the kind of ideas we want to, we need to, right. to do everything we feel. When you have so much or so many team members, does the process go to you first to say, hey, Walker, what do you think of this idea? And then you have to formulate in your mind to say, yes, no, maybe so. Uh, there's a little bit of that. It's more, I mean, we've got really, really great team. Right. So I, I, each studio has a director and has uh, associates under them. And then, you know, more junior team people and they're it's a really diverse group they're from all over the world they're highly trained in design in lots of different fields so i'd say it's more of a you know almost every project starts in black chamber which there's a group of people there who just think and you know so if you come to me with i want to build a hospital yeah we think about well you know what is health now what is wellness why a hospital is, is, should it be centralized? What does innovation look like in that space? So we do a lot of that kind of work. What are adjacent, you know, industries that might be interested in, you know, does it make sense to build condos above a hospital for doctors or for nurses or lungs or whatever? Um, so we're diving deep into statistical, cultural, artistic, 
precedents and best practices and before we ever start. And then from there, we're, you know, very collaboratively talking about what we do with all that. And then it's, you know, architects are in the room, interior designers are in the room, branding people are in the room. Wow. You know, everyone's got defined success differently. Everyone defines beauty differently. How are you able to translate what is beautiful to you to your team so that mm -hmm. they can produce great work? It's a good question. Um, I mean, we, we, it's not just what's beautiful to me. I think I really, it's really collaborative. It's what's beautiful to us. And beauty is a, a, a lot of architects don't like to talk about beauty. It feels, no. <laughs> it feels uh, arbitrary somehow, but, but we talk about it a lot. I think, you know, we, we're sharing constantly. We start every Monday, the entire group is on Zoom in both cities or at home. And it every Monday starts with somebody sharing something they love, can be anything. And then somebody sharing one of our projects, what, what work in process, because you know, you've got so many teams, not everyone knows what's going on. So we're sharing other people's work, we're sharing music, we're sharing movies, we're sharing our own work. And then we're always talking about, you know, design. It's it's our lifeblood. So and we're collaborating with a lot of other firms as well. Which is amazing. When you yeah. look at Frank Wright, does he give you inspiration? Frank Lloyd Wright? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I think Frank Lloyd Wright, you know, he's not someone I've, I've looked at recently much in terms of actual work, but very similarly had a view of design as very holistic, you know, like the home we're doing in Tofino. Frank Lloyd Wright's homes, he designed every piece of furniture, often the tableware. We're doing the same thing in, in Tofino. It's architecture through everything. Yeah. So in that way, yeah. And some of his work I love. Of course. Oh, yes. When you look at culturally, is it different in Alberta versus going to Vancouver in terms of what people are wanting or, or what sure. you guys offer? I think everywhere. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same and different, right? The world's mm -hmm. become more the same because of zoom and internet and yes. and instagram and pinterest and yet local context you can never you know ignore it's it's quite different i'd say vancouver is a different city than i thought it was you know i knew the cliche of you know tree hugger lululemon everyone's outdoors and that totally exists but there's a another Vancouver that's very urban, very sophisticated, great art scene. Um, I love Calgary. I feel like the clients that I've found and who have found me in Vancouver are looking for something more sophisticated, deeper, um, more intellectually driven often than what we were finding in Calgary. Right. So you really had so to step up your game. In Calgary. I mean, I don't want to shit talk Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> the prairie will never leave you walker <laughs> i'm still a prairie boy for sure yes. but i am loving vancouver it's it's yeah. a smart town oh, yeah. and, and we're working with international designers and artists here all the time it's really it's a world city you know the artwork behind you for example mm. what makes art great to you personally <laughs> it's like, funny i just i had this conversation with monty clark who owns uh one of the best contemporary galleries in Vancouver recently. And, you know, there's so many answers to that question. Like, 
well, makes it great if I love it for me. Absolutely. But from Monty Clark's point of view, what makes art great is how it gets managed through time and does it end up in the right museums and does it matter to people enough to be written about? And does it, so does it have a kind of place in culture? Um, you know, there are people who would say what makes it great is how much people will pay for it, um, right? So, I mean, arts, our firm is really hung up on art. We, art is, you know, we have an art consultancy. We are doing public art commissions through it. We've recently um, brought into our, into procuratorial, uh, an artist slash maker, industrial designer, who, well, you know my Vancouver office, the giant Cupid doll? Yes. The, the guy who made that for us years ago is now with us. Oh. And so we're, we're with him making public art. We're, you know, we have galleries, we show art, we, we place art all the time in our projects. We just, just commissioned Douglas Copeland to do what will be his largest painting he's ever done um, oh, yes. for a lobby here in Vancouver. Art is a huge part of art. Probably. Oh, absolutely. yeah, and it's all over your home. It's yeah, yeah. a lot of art in my home. My <laughs> <laughs> hoarder. Yes, exactly. The art you bring for your clients change over time in terms of what they're looking for. Is it abstract today? Tomorrow it's accents of landscapes again, sure. or is it? Is it always been whatever that person wants? No, I think. I mean, for us at least, we're the art can be a further expression of all the ideas that might be in the architecture of the interior from another point of view from the artist. So we're always looking for art that somehow expresses the same things that we're trying to express in the work. For instance, I'm working on a, I'm collaborating with James Chang, the sort of Order of Canada, author of Vancouver yeah. architecture. So James has built I think over 40 towers in Vancouver during his career. Um, Shangri-La one of them? Shangri-La, yes. the Pacific Rim Hotel, all of Coal Harbor, basically every building. Oh. Um, and he, he planned the expansion of the land that made Coal Harbor. Um, <clears throat> so we're, we're collaborating on a number of projects together. I've got people from my team living in James's office <clears throat> to work on these projects. He's, you know, in the later years of his practice. So we're bolstering his troops and, and helping get some really great towers built um, in collaboration. One of them has a giant garden and, and the kind of three-story amenity space that opens out to this private and public garden space. We're working with an artist on a, a piece that will be a sort of 15 foot high stainless steel cloud that sits in the middle of the garden and sort of talks about nature and, and interface with nature, with architecture, the same way we're trying to in the building. So I mean, that's a great example. It's almost like, is there still room in Vancouver to build? Um, well, central Vancouver is filling up pretty quick, but you know, Surrey is getting, oh, yeah. I think 30 towers in the next, if you see the model of what's coming, it's crazy. Oh my Coquitlam, God. And then there's, you know, uh, Thomas Heatherwick, who maybe the most important architect of our time is building a new tower in downtown Vancouver. Oh, there's some great stuff happening in Vancouver. Have you seen in India, they have a, a tower called Antalya? 
and it's no if i know it no it's um the one of the tallest skyscraper uh, skyscrapers and i think it's got a 70 car garage just for one family that lives in this whole building <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> it's crazy but it's got like a ballroom on one floor and it's just really cool how you can stack things up yeah it's remarkable yeah well and in those markets where you have that kind of wealth right it's uh it's like a fantasy world what's getting built some of the things oh you've seen dubai yeah dubai the whole all of dubai is like wonderland right yeah it's like what do we build next okay the sky's the limit let's go totally yeah i've never been i would love to go to dubai yeah yeah you would you would be inspired there yeah for sure you post a lot about porsches has it been uh, a childhood fantasy to own one or what do you love about that vehicle so much it's a funny thing people ask me all the time i don't own a porsche i think i will buy one I, i'm actually i don't even drive i like i walk and i i have a driver take me when i need to um i love the way porsches look I, it is purely they are perfect the form is somehow natural and perfectly engineered um, but I'm actually not a driver. So, so my Porsche friends mostly tease me that I'm like, I'm just a Porsche fetishist, not an actual driver. But, and you love the, the older models. It's not about yeah. the new ones. There's something about that you really- and There's like. a romance about the time and the shapes. And um, I don't know, like I just obsessed with, with vintage Porsches. I really, I, I've just said to my wife, I think I'll buy one next year. It's getting embarrassing that I like them so much and don't have you recently had your birthday I did, and um you know you rewarded yourself which was beautiful mm. how important is that for people to reward themselves for the hard work because oftentimes we forget to take care of ourselves or take a minute to say hey you know what thank you walker thank you zach yeah. just to kind of reiterate it to ourselves that wait we're, we're okay here yeah. it's funny you say that i uh so i work a lot I, i'm I, workaholic's the wrong word because I like I just love what I do and there's always something else to think about so I rarely 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 take a day off I, I don't think I've had a prompt well COVID of course made this different but I haven't really had a vacation in four years probably proper vacation I just work and so my birthday earlier this month I my wife made me take a day off which was amazing I I I think I had one, actually I snuck in one phone call, which was great, but um, other than that, I didn't work. I went for lunch with her and she argued to me exactly what you just said. She's like, you, you look after so many people, you don't ever do anything for yourself. Why don't we do something? And I was, I literally was like, yeah, you know what? I've been wanting to, I've been wanting to go over to IWC and get yeah. a new watch, let's go. So I think it's really important. I actually went away from it going, Maybe this should be a yearly, a lunch for my birthday and a watch. <laughs> exactly. Just pause great. for a it second. Was, it was a great, I, IWC actually has watches, which is in the watch world right now. Like Rolex doesn't have any watches in their stores, but. Has that been difficult for you in terms of what you do as well as the supply and demand of getting things in? Yeah, supply chain's crazy for us and, and costs are getting really out of control in construction. Um, we haven't had jobs stop yet but it's a constant battle and of course that makes it harder to do good and innovative things right. because just the normal things are now so expensive um 
we're lucky. We, we, we mostly work in a pretty rarefied, well-funded world. Right. Um, most of our clients are looking for high-end innovative of course. Yeah. stuff. So, but, but timelines now are, I mean, they're just, you just don't even have them kind of, because you just don't know what's going to be hung up. You just need to go stand by the port of Vancouver and just say, hurry up, come on, let's go, guys. <laughs> yeah, we, we overlooked the port of Vancouver yeah. in our office. I'm always thinking, like, is that in that container? We can steal those containers. Exactly. Are you, are you seeing more foreign investment into Vancouver and foreign individuals wanting to say, let's create something great? Or is it usually third, fourth generation? It's both, for sure. So Vancouver's... I mean, it, for us, it's the development community. It's it's residential and mixed use um, real estate that is our main clientele here, as well as commercial. Um, we're doing a big project in the Bentall Center downtown that's all commercial, but but it's that kind of work. And I think you've got it exactly right. It's one half of the client base are fourth generation, very sophisticated Vancouver developers. I think they've kind of invented what condominium look living looks like really globally the, you know they're very sophisticated mm -hmm. and then the other side are foreign investors a lot of them chinese with um tremendous wealth they're buying huge parcels of land and starting to develop them some not as sophisticated some are getting quite sophisticated um but they are you know i think from my point of view there's the impression some people have that that foreign money is like ruining, like, you know, gentrifying in ways that make it too expensive to live. I think that partially can be true. Um, the, the, the foreign buyers taxes don't seem to have stopped that at all. Prices have just continued to rise. I think, I think that's more about people wanting to live here than, than and there are jobs and, and jobs are starting to pay here in a way that supports it. So I don't know. I, I mean, I think some of the, the Chinese money that we've seen come in and those clients are doing really great things, like fantastic things. And it, it adds a layer to this city that I love. I mean, my wife is Korean. I love Asian culture. I love the feel of Vancouver is, is a true world city. And I think it's because of that, right? Yeah. Have you gone to Japan before? I have. I haven't spent a lot of time, just Tokyo. Tokyo, okay. Yeah, I would love to go I mean, there and just on see. my way to Korea. Usually, I go to Korea often. Oh, do you? Okay, yeah. I'm on my way to Seoul for my first post-COVID trip. Oh, wow! Internationally excited. I haven't gone anywhere international since COVID started. Holy smokes! Crazy. The metaverse. Mm. Your friend or someone you know is or has created the Mars House. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever thought, or has that ever been brought up? to say, hey, maybe we should look there? Or I mean, it's an obvious thing we, should, we could be doing, right? We're, we're always working digitally. We, everything we do, we do on the computer in 3D. We could naturally extend to the metaverse. I don't, you know, I don't know why. I'm just not interested yet. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come. Yeah. I'm so busy on real things and tangible, sensual designs that it just, it's hard for you to feels flat for me. I, I have lots of debates with people in that space about it. And I'm just like, Hey, all the power to you. I just don't care. Yeah. You need to walk around a space and yeah. 
It's yeah, something different. I mean, I love restaurants. I love hotel lobbies. I love great homes. And maybe they could feel like that with a pair of glasses on. And But it doesn't yet. Whatever people think, it doesn't. You know? <laughs> Are you still Zooming post-pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. A lot less. So our well we have clients lots of places and consultants who are still not working in offices or coming in we are completely back to studio but we came back everybody got new hardware that allows them to work wherever um, and can run the kind of software we need so the entire firm is now able to just dock wherever they want in our offices they work in both places We have a program called Anywhere, Anytime, which is basically no rules. You work wherever you want, as long as you get your work done. I don't care where you do it. So it means that I still Zoom. I used to have, I mean, I hated the high COVID when it was 14 Zoom meetings a day. Just you, You just never took a break. That's not happening anymore. We're mostly in the office. That was green fatigue. Oh my God, it was terrible. And you, and you booked like I found that, you know, what would be a, a hay walker in the studio became a, can I book a half hour meeting? And then another one back to back, back to back. So it was, it was fatigue, fatigue. You know, you never took a break. It was crazy. It was draining you. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I find, you know, we, we're dealing with this a lot right now. The, the, so we're the, retail architects for Bentall Center and it's like a city block with four and soon to be five towers. Bentall Center, where is that located? Downtown, okay. Yeah, right on uh, Burrard and between Pender and Dunsmuir, center of the financial district. You know, and it emptied during COVID. It, it literally is surrounded by the best restaurants in the city, the best hotels in the city, best shopping in the city. And it was a black hole during COVID, nobody there. So we're renovating all of the towers, all their lobbies, the big retail concourse, building a bunch of little buildings on the site. And the topic went from like, can you renovate this to what do we do to this site to bring people back? What is work? What does work look like now? And why would I need to come to Bentall to do it? And so it's actually been really liberating. I mean, we think it means a blurring of everything like work and play meeting and dining indoor and outdoor high low all need to just kind of collapse into a place that you go to to do work but work is this is work anything's work and you don't need to sit at a desk to do it and that might be a a clash for some (laughs) we're building eight restaurants on a site that had none we're we're building a Hopefully, we're, we're going in for development permit for a little building on top of one of the towers that will, that will hold a restaurant and have incredible views, um, entertainment venues, lobbies that feel like the, the hotel lobby of the Pacific Rim, oh my um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's a very exciting. It's, it's, we've been on it for three years. We probably have another five to go before it's all done. Oh, my gosh. When you plan, are you always planning years in advance of what will be the thing or or do you just say this is what it is this is what i'm going to say this is kind of a thing uh no we're i mean 
that's a that, that's part of what design is right I, I when i used to teach i used to say like the magic of design is that you can see the future so you have you can literally visualize something that doesn't exist but will exist and then your job is to have responsibility to not only that future but then that thing's going to be there for 100 years if it's a building so so you're always, of course, working today in real time in a team and that collaborative spirit is very much live, but you're always seeing the future and planning for the far future. So, I mean, it's, it's very challenging, but that's part of the fun of, mm -hmm. of architecture, I think. It seems like you have a big love and a passion for the shade of black. <laughs> I think you're right. You know what I think? I think it's easy when you're trying, when you have to pick colors all day, every day. Keep black. Like, for myself, I can just go black on everything. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time today, Walker, on this. Well, thank you, Zach. Yeah, my pleasure.